Philippians. What chapter are we in? Two. Right, chapter 2. So if you would, please, let's turn our Bibles there. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Pray and ask the Lord to bless our time together this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for gathering us together to be with you this morning. And truly, you, you are the greatest, Lord Jesus. Thank you that our lives are in your hands, our times are in your hands. Thank you that you are for us. Thank you for your thoughts towards us, your precious thoughts towards us the sweet work of your spirit. Thank you for how you're working all things together for good of those that love you. And we want to tell you this morning we love you. We're so grateful for you. And we look forward this morning to um, just a fresh work, a fresh work of your spirit within each one of us individually, corporately, as a family. We've come to hear from you. So speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Would you transform and change our lives as only you can? And so, we give you access, we give you our lives afresh this morning. We thank you for all the great things you're going to do for your glory, and we pray all these things in your precious and your holy name, Lord Jesus, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. And so, just by way of reminder, um, the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, and remember, um, this was a church that he had planted that he had been in Corinth, and an amazing work of God, amazing work of God's Spirit began in Corinth. A church was birthed out of his time there, and after a certain amount of time, he left Corinth, and then he received news that there was problems in the church. And it's not just one or two problems. There is a whole uh, list of problems that were going on within the church. And so Paul is trying to help them, trying to help them. Number one, we learned, he's trying to help them get along, right? There was divisions within the church. There were some issues of pride and, and, and also worldly wisdom. They were beginning to, to walk in worldliness and worldly wisdom. And, you know, when we decide to follow Jesus, we just sang it. When we follow Jesus, we're to forsake the world, aren't we? That's about 30% of the room. When we decide to follow Jesus, we are to forsake the world, correct? Yes. Amen. Because James says that those that are friends with the world are enemies with God, right? John wrote that if, there's, if, if we have a love for the world or the things of the world, the love of the Father is not even in us. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? And not only that, Paul said, in light of all that Jesus has done for us, we're no longer to be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, Correct? but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. I know that's, that's heavy, because sometimes we can drift back into the, that worldliness, those worldly attitudes, those worldly thoughts, the way we deal with others in our relationships. But as far as following Jesus, we are, to, we are, as Paul said, we are to be crucified to the world and the world crucified to us. We are to forsake the world to follow Jesus. Because what happens when we don't, 
like what happened in Corinth, worldliness now begins to like leaven, grow in the church. And rather than the church impacting and influencing the community or the world, what begins to happen? The world begins to influence and impact the church. And so Paul is helping to correct them in this, to correct their thinking, to get to correct their hearts and minds, get them focused back upon Jesus and him crucified. Right? Because that is the answer. That, listen, that we're going to read this morning, that is the answer for everything, is Jesus Christ and him crucified. And so... Let's check this out. Paul's helping them, and he reminds them of the time when he came to them as we begin chapter 2. I'm going to read the uh, first five verses, and then we'll go back and break it down. God's Word says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Why, Paul? Why would you do it this way? Verse 5, here's the answer. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So Paul reminds the church about when he first came to them. And he talks about his methods. He talks about the, the message itself and why he came that way. And you may remember, he came to the church of Corinth in the book of Acts. What chapter? You guys remember what chapter? Bonus question. You get a free donut today, extra donut. (laughs) Chapter 18, thank you. Acts chapter 18, Paul was there for a year and a half, uh, maybe a little more. And he's reminding them of when he came and the amazing work that God did by his Spirit In the church, lives were radically transformed, much like this church, you guys. We have seen hearts and lives radically transformed and changed. Marriages radically changed and transformed. And so Paul says, brethren, listen, I didn't come to you. You remember, I did not come to you with number one, communicating, what does it say in verse one? Using excellence of speech. In other words, I didn't come to you literally with lofty words with an air of superiority. I didn't come with with a brilliant, slick presentation when I came and shared with you. I didn't have, you know, all the, 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 the sermon all broken down with all these cool words and cool illustrations. It wasn't, there was nothing slick about it. There was no excellence of speech, nor, what else does he say? I didn't use man's wisdom. And this is important because the Corinthians, listen, the Corinthians as a part of the Greek culture, had a serious love for human wisdom. For human wisdom. And we've been reading all along that human wisdom doesn't cut it. Paul said earlier that uh, back, in, back in chapter 1, you guys may remember, God says, ch- chapter 1, verse 19, God said, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. He also said, uh, chapter 3, later on, um, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness. With God, And here were the Corinthians priding themselves 
on the wisdom of men. And not only that, am I speaking really fast? I'm really excited here. Sorry, I've got to slow it down. In that culture, in those times when um, if someone was like a really great orator, um, great speaker, someone had, that, had good words and, and, and all of that, they would say he speaks like a Corinthian. And so Paul is saying, when I came to you, I didn't speak like a Corinthian. I didn't come and, and with man's wisdom. And listen, was Paul brilliant? Not a trick question. Paul was brilliant, wasn't he? And he has chosen, he's determined to lay that brilliance aside to communicate simply, the scriptures simply to the people that it would be a work of the spirit rather than a work of his flesh. In fact, remember Paul, what was his name before he was Paul? Saul. You know what Saul means? Anybody know what Saul means? Saul means requested one. Like I'm, requ- like I'm the one that's requested. I'm the guy. I'm the man. I'm the dude. I'm requested by everybody. But he changed his name to Paul. What does Paul mean? Paul means little. Little guy. There was a change in his heart. You guys remember King Saul? He started out how? Small in his own eyes. And then he began to what? He began to grow in pride, become swollen, right, with pride. And you know what happens with pride? Pride goes before destruction, right, in a haughty spirit. Before a fall. So Saul changed his name to Paul. He recognized, listen, I am nobody. I need Jesus. <laughs> he is everything, isn't he? Isn't Jesus everything? We learned that last week. He's become to us what? He's become to us wisdom from God, right? Righteousness, sanctification, redemption. In Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. He is all we need. We are sufficient with Jesus Christ, correct? Amen. Are we sufficient with Jesus Christ? Amen. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. Very important, because Paul's trying to remind them of that, of how he came. When I came declaring, preaching, teaching to you, what? He says, the testimony of God. God has gone on the record, and it's the testimony of his son, Jesus Christ. The whole Bible points to Jesus, by the way. Did you know that? 66 books, 40 different authors, right? Three different languages, written on three different continents, over 1,600 years, and it all points to Jesus Christ. That's miraculous, And so Paul says, I came to you declaring the testimony of God, God's witness to humanity of who Jesus is. And so he goes on to say, look at verse 2. He says, I determined not to know anything else among you but Jesus Christ and him crucified. That word determined, in the Greek, it's like this judicial term. It's like I've collected all the evidence and here's the conclusion that I've come to, and here's the choice that I'm going to make on this. And Paul says, I chose not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ, because it's all about him, but not just Jesus' beautiful words, not just his beautiful works, the beauty of who our Savior is, but what else? Jesus Christ and him, what? Crucified. Bloody, battered, tortured, shameful, humiliating, lonely, brutal death on the cross. As he hung there, he hung because of his love, because of his care for you and for me. Paul didn't hold back. You know, there's a lot, a lot of churches that don't preach that anymore. That's where the power is. The power is found in Jesus Christ and him crucified. And it's a simple message, you guys. It is a simple message. Paul said, that's my message. That's what will make the difference 
in your life. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Do you remember what happened when I did that? He's saying to them, look at the next verse, verse 3. Paul says, remember how I was with you. He says, I was with you in weakness. That means sickly or frail. And think about all the things that Paul had gone through as a missionary, as a church planter. Physical conditions that he went through. Beaten up over and over. Stoned with rocks. All the things he went through. Frail, right? But such a tough man in the Lord. Strong, enduring as seeing him who is invisible. He came also with fear. And you may remember when Paul came, he, was, he had some fear, Acts chapter 18, and who showed up to minister to him? You remember? Jesus did. Jesus came to him in the night in a vision and said, don't be afraid, don't fear, why? Because I am, what's God's answer for fear, you guys? I am with you. That's always God's answer for fear. I'm with you. You don't need to be afraid. I'm with you. It's okay. I hung on the cross so that you would never have to be alone. So that you, that you would never have to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Dad, where are you? I went through the, the brutality and the brutal death so that you would never have to say that. That no matter where you go, I am with you. And so Paul, God reminded Paul, I am with you. Paul says, remember when I came? I was sickly. I was frail. I was afraid. I was trembling. That's what that word, much trembling, means shaking or quaking with fear. And you would think today, if someone came up to the pulpit and did that, what would you say? What's the matter with this dude? Man, come on, where's this suit? Where's the slick presentation? Where's the PowerPoint? Where's the, the brilliant words and the brilliant exposition? Paul's like, this is how I came. And then he says, look at the next verse. What does he say? Verse 4, my speech... He said what? My speech was not with enticing words or eloquent words of human wisdom. In fact, you know what they're going to say later? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, you can, you can look it up later. 2 Corinthians 10, 10. You know what they said about Paul? Some of the church was saying he's short, he's squeaky. Literally, they said he's lacking in manliness and dignity. That's heavy, isn't it? They were critical of him. Again, why? Because the Corinthians put a premium on your presentation, the way you looked, your speaking skills, all of that, all these things concerning the messenger. But Paul says, here's how I came, and here's the message I preached. I didn't do it with persuasive words, with slick speech, polished presentation, but I spoke simply of Jesus Christ and him crucified. And what happened? There was a demonstration. What does it say? What does your Bible say? Demonstration of what? of the Spirit, and, and of power. How did that happen? Listen, that's what happens when you share Jesus Christ and Him crucified simply. There's a demonstration of proof of the Spirit of God working and the power of God working. How do we know that? The changed lives. The changed lives that, God, that only the Lord can do in our hearts and in this place and in that place and in Corinth. And Paul reminds them of that. That God's power functions way differently than ours. The message of the cross is absolutely vital. Back in chapter 1, verse 18, remember what Paul said? He said, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Also we see uh, in verse 23, we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews a stumbling block. 
and to the Greeks foolishness, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Isn't that beautiful? You guys remember the book of Zechariah? It's written during a time when the children of Israel, the southern kingdom, came back from captivity in Babylon. How long were they in Babylon for? You guys remember? 70 years. Thank you. They were disobedient over and over and over again. And God said, you know what? That's not going to work in my house. If you want to live that way, you can go live with the pagans. I need to put you out of the house. So they went into a timeout, so to speak. 70 years. Finally, and did God promise to bring him back? Was he faithful to bring him back? Yes, God brought him back into the land. The first wave of captives came back. Why did they come back? To rebuild the, rebuild the temple under who? Who was the leader? Zerubbabel. That's his name. You can go back and check it out yourself. This first wave of Jews came back. Are you going somewhere with this, Pastor? I sure am. <laughs> they came back to rebuild the temple. And things were going great. But then what happened? They started to get hassled and harassed for, for doing what God's work, right? The work was very extensive, very hard, and you know what they did? They shut it down. Maybe there's some of you this morning, you're tempted to shut it down. In your marriage, in your family, with your ministry, it's getting hard, it's getting too tough, man, things are difficult. And aren't you glad that God brings people into our lives to speak truth into our lives? We need it, don't we? I need it. I'm so grateful for those men and women that have spoken truth into my life. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for bringing them along. So who does God bring along? A dude named Zechariah and Haggai. Two prophets in the Old Testament. Haggai, I've never heard of him, Pastor. You're going to meet him someday. He'll be there. He'll be in heaven. And Zechariah said to the people, and specifically Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. What you see in front of you is like a giant mountain. This, this challenge you have before you, it's like a, you guys ever have a challenge in front of you? It's like a giant mountain. How's this going to work out, Lord? And God says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. This mountain will become a plain and Zerubbabel will put the capstone on it. He's going to put the finishing touches on this thing because I've called them to do this. I've called you to do this. To shouts, and it says to shouts of grace, grace. Isn't that beautiful? God's favor, God's kindness. Zerubbabel, you're going to get it done. You keep looking to my strength, to the work of my spirit. And Paul's reminding the church in Corinth, remember, it was a work of God's spirit, a work of God's power. Why? Look at the next verse. Is so important. Paul wanted their trust to not be in man's wisdom, but in what? The power of God. Listen this morning. Our faith is to be in the Lord's strength, the work of the Holy Spirit, and not in man's wisdom. So important. Jesus Christ and him crucified, is the answer to everything. Jesus, Isaiah 53, he suffered for us, you guys. Our transgressions were upon him. By his stripes we are healed. He's provided a complete forgiveness because he hung on the cross, was brutalized. As he hung there, lonely, humiliated, naked in front of everybody to look upon, he hung there, he endured the cross so that you and I might find forgiveness. You guys ever say stupid things? 
You guys ever say, you ever do dumb things? As he hung there, it was for you, for that dumb thing you said, that dumb thing you did. You ever had something dumb done to you? Anybody here ever been done wrong? He hung on the cross for that dumb thing, that it might be forgiven. In fact, he said, Father, forgive them for what? They know not what they're doing. All we have to do is take one look to the cross. If you're condemned, take one look at Jesus hanging on the cross for you this morning. And be reminded that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Are you all alone right now in your struggles and what you're going through? The Lord knows. He would say, I know what you're going through. I'm with you. I was all alone on the cross. And I know what it's like. I know what it's like to be humiliated. You guys ever been humiliated? Anybody ever make fun of you? Listen, Jesus knows. Because he went through it. He walked in our shoes. He suffered for us. Are you suffering this morning? He knows what you're going through. And he's in ever-present health. Because he went through that for you and for me. That's glorious. That's amenable stuff, isn't it? Thank you, Lord Jesus, for doing that for me. That's where the power is. The power is in, the, is, is in our bloody, battered, suffering Savior who gave his life for us. <laughs> One look at Jesus, crucified, given his life for you and me. You draw near to him. That's where the power is. That's where the strength is. It's drawing near to him, to look to Jesus and him crucified. And when you do, when you are suffering, when you are alone and you look to him, and to who he is and what he's done, that's where, you find, that's where you find your help, the power that you need, as looking to Jesus, not looking to our own strength or our own understanding. It's looking unto the Lord. Well, Paul goes on. Look at the next verse. Are you guys with me this morning? However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, Check this out. Who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. That's heavy. Which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So Paul says, listen, I've been, I've been talking about man's wisdom and human wisdom. Listen, we do speak wisdom. It's not man's wisdom. It's not worldly wisdom, but we do speak wisdom. And Paul is going to now develop and teach us about God's wisdom, how important it is and how we acquire God's wisdom. And he says, remember when I was with you, Hey, we, we, we do communicate wisdom, but it's among the who. What does it say? Verse 6. Among who? Those who are mature. Somebody, if you have a King James, it's unfortunate. The translation says perfect. Is there anybody here perfect this morning? Nobody be perfect here. Are we mature believers this morning? Are we still in huggies? That's the question. <laughs> What, maybe you're saying, what is a mature believer? I think there's a great definition in the book of Hebrews chapter 5. I'm going to read it. It's right at the end of the chapter. Hebrews chapter 5, if you're taking notes, you can flip there, or I'm just going to read it. Are we to go on in maturity? Are we to go on in maturity in our walk with the Lord? Yes. Hebrews 5.12. I'm going to read it. Check it out. 
the author of Hebrews, I think it's Paul. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. So Paul says to the, these, these Hebrew Christians, these believers, he's like, dude, listen, loose paraphrase, you, by this time you should be teaching others. You should be communicating spiritual truth to other people, to those around you. You should be serving in the church, ministering. And he says, listen, but the problem is you need someone to teach you again. You need a review session. Why? Because you can't handle any meat. You can't handle any solid food. You need, to, you need the bottle. You need some, what is that stuff? What's the, the formula? Form, thank you, formula or mama's milk or what's the little Gerber? What's that stuff called in the, you know what I'm talking about, Katie. Come on. <laughs> the Gerber stuff, you know what I'm talking about? You guys know, sort of know. Because he says, verse, verse 13, for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. And when you hear babe in scripture, it doesn't mean like a hottie, like, whoa, what a babe. It means someone that's immature in the faith. And then now he defines what maturity is. And Paul's saying to the Corinthians, listen, I want to go on to maturity with you. The problem is you're not maturing. You're carnal. You're fleshly. In fact, we're going to see in just a moment in chapter 3. We're not going to get to this morning at this pace. But he's going to say there's, there's, there's spiritual believers. There's the natural man who's not a believer. And then there's carnal believers. Carnal means fleshly, or we get the word carne, meat. Your chili, uh, chili con carne. Anybody ever eat chili con carne? There's also Christians con carne. <laughs> They're still in the flesh. They're still, they haven't grown up. That's the idea. So, we, so hopefully we all want to be mature believers. Here, here's where it's at. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, those that are mature. That is, here you go. Those who by reason of use, you know what that means? They put into practice what they're learning. I just cut off my microphone. They put into practice what they're learning. Reason of use. So it's not just we sit here on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights and we get all swollen in our noggin with Bible study. It's now we take what we've learned and we begin to put it into practice in our lives and what begins to happen. God by His Spirit works in our lives, in our marriages, in our homes, in our ministries. Wherever He leads our little feet, God is at work because we're walking in the things that we learn. Are you with me? Reason of use. We put into practice and then it says, listen to this, who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So what happens when you take in the word, you begin to practice the word, you're able to discern what's good and evil. That's pretty awesome. And you avoid the evil and you walk in what's good. Thank you. Let's get back to 1 Corinthians. Does that make sense? So Paul's saying here, we do speak wisdom. Don't get us wrong. we got some wisdom. But we speak wisdom to those who are mature. Look what he says. He says what? Not the wisdom of this age, not earthly, temporal wisdom, nor the wisdom of the rulers of this age, those big heavy hitters, those leaders, their wisdom. Why? Because it's coming to nothing. 
Man's wisdom, listen, is temporary and literally it's heading towards extinction. It's perishing. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. His words are eternal, gang. His wisdom is eternal. He says, we speak. Here's, here's what we do communicate. We do communicate God's wisdom. How? And it's a mystery. What's a mystery mean? Is that like Nancy Drew, like whodunit kind of stuff? Do they still have Nancy Drew? I don't even know. Mystery, listen, mystery, when we see mystery in the Bible, this is important. When we see mystery in the Bible, it's something that was concealed, but now it's revealed when you become initiated. In other words, when you gave your life to Jesus, what happened? The scriptures now what? Now they're open, you understand. Anybody remember before you got saved reading the Bible? I don't know about you, it was all Greek to me. Like, what is, this is just, doesn't make any sense. This is weird. But then what happens? The author comes into your heart and it goes from words on a page to life. The Lord is speaking to you and you understand and there's clarity and clearness. I'm not saying you understand every single bit, but you begin to understand what God is communicating to your heart. And so he says we speak wisdom in a mystery. Let me give you an example. I was in a fraternity in college. That was before I came to know Jesus, by the way. And in, in a fraternity, they have all these secrets. But once you're initiated, once you become part of the fraternity, you're initiated into the fraternity, you know what they do? They tell you all the secrets. So you wait all this time. You wait the whole, the whole time. Oh, I can't wait to find out what these secrets are. You know, when I'm initiated, I'll get to learn all these secrets. And you know what happens? You fi- it finally comes to that day. They take you into a secret room. I can share this now. You know what they say? Here's the secret. Wherever you go, there you are. <laughs> so profound, man. Yeah, what else? Give me some more. Circles are round. Oh, that's deep. Thank you for revealing the. Now I'm initiated. Now you revealed this to me. Thank you so much. But Paul's making a point here about the things that God reveals to us. Because we've been initiated into the family of God, because we're born into his family, they are glorious. They are beautiful. And in fact, look what it says at the end of that verse, verse 7. It says that God is ordained, God's wisdom is eternal, it transcends time, it's always relevant, by the way. Don't let anyone ever tell you God's word is not relevant. It's always relevant, every bit of it. It's ordained by God before the ages. It originates with God. And notice, this blew me away this week studying. Ordained before the ages for our what? What? For our glory? It seems so contradictory, doesn't it? Because we, we, we want the Lord to get all the glory. But this tells us that God wants to share his glory with, with us. Is that amazing to you? That's amazing to me. Pastor, are you sure about that? Well, let me remind us what it says in 2 Corinthians. We are being transformed from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord as we look unto Jesus. John chapter 17, Jesus, when he was praying to the Father, was was speaking about us 
the glory I've received from you, Father, I've given to them that they may be one as you and I are one. Isn't that amazing that the Lord would share his glory with us? I would say his glory is attached to his wisdom, by the way, as we're studying this. Jesus said, wisdom is justified by her. Wisdom is justified by her children. You guys remember when Jesus said that? Wisdom is justified by her children. God's wisdom is seen in our changed lives as we're doing what the Lord asks us to do, to walk in those things under the influence of the Holy Spirit, as we're doing what he says, exercising, using God's word, practicing God's word, and having our senses exercised. So beautiful. Well, look at verse 8. None of the rulers, leaders at that time had a clue about God's wisdom. And that word know means to know experientially through personal experience. In other words, they didn't have God's wisdom. Why? Because they had no relationship with God. The rulers of that day, who were the rulers of that day during Jesus' day? If they had God's wisdom, they would not have crucified the King of glory, the Lord of glory. Remember who they were? Pontius Pilate, thank you. Remember that dude? What is truth? He knew the right thing to do, didn't he? This man has done nothing wrong. He said it like three times. But he was a men pleaser. He was a men pleaser, a glory seeker. You see, there, there's a right way to receive glory. That's by walking humbly with our God, simply walking in those things that he wants us to walk in. Or you could be a glory seeker like Pilate. How about the religious leaders of the day? You guys remember them? They did, everything they did was to be seen by who? Seen by men, right? They supersized their tassels, remember that? So everybody's, whoa, how spiritual are they? Look at those giant tassels. And then they would ring the bell when they would give. Everybody like, wow, ooh, ah, oh, aren't they amazing? And guess what? All the glory was right there. That was it. That's all you're getting. That's it. Nothing in heaven. No amen of the Holy Spirit. And if they would have known, if they would have known, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. You see, when you're seeking your own glory, you won't get it. When you're seeking the praises of men, you won't get it. Walking in the wisdom of this world, you won't get it. The problem is when we walk in the wisdom of this world, James said there will be envy. And that's what was happening in Corinth. In fact, the religious leaders of Jesus' day handed him over because of envy. It says, the scriptures say they handed over Jesus because of envy. And that's what happens when we walk in our own wisdom. Are you with me this morning? We don't want to crucify the Lord of glory. Correct? He's already given his life. He needs to be where? He needs to be on the throne. I need to be on the cross. If he's on the cross again, guess what? I'm on the throne now. I need to die to myself, to my selfishness, that he would be enthroned in my life. Well, look at verse 9. He's talking about wisdom here and God's cool things he has for us. Verse 9, what does it say? Check it out. He talked about the religious leaders being out to lunch, the rulers of this age. But as it is written, you're not out to lunch. But as it is written, Isaiah 64, if you're taking notes, you can check it out later. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Have you guys ever heard that before? 
You ever heard that before? It's usually in relation to heaven, isn't it? Like the, the glory ahead and your eye hasn't seen it yet, your ear hasn't heard, your heart cannot fathom the amazing plans that God has for you. And God has made uh, ready, he's prepared some amazing things for his own children, those that love him. Hasn't he? Hasn't he prepared some amazing things for us? In fact, look at the next verse. But God has revealed them to us, how? By his spirit. These amazing things that God has for us, he has revealed them to us, how? By his spirit, the Holy Spirit. In other words, what happens when you give your life to Jesus? The Holy Spirit comes and takes residence, correct? Jesus said the Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us in all truth, right? He'll remind us of the things that Jesus said. He'll tell us things to come. And what begins to happen? You begin to read your Bible, spend time with Jesus, and what begins to happen? Those things become real to you, don't they? They're revealed. Is anybody excited about heaven? (laughs) No more pain. No more suffering. Every tear wiped away. No more cancer. No more terrorism. Have you guys ever like sat and just set your mind on things above? And consider that and allow the Lord to minister to your heart? To reveal those things to you? Just no do, do you guys deal with pain? Anybody here deal with pain? I mean, we all have some types of pains, don't we? Can you imagine having no pain for all eternity? I'm thinking about my son who's in the hospital right now in the emergency room, full of pain, and has cerebral palsy, him not having it, running with him in heaven, and hearing his little voice for the first time. How awesome that's going to be. But God reveals those things to us, that he's preparing a place for us. He's building you a place in the Father's house. That stuff, isn't it revealed to us? I can't wait to see what it's going to look like. I know the Lord knows I love surfing, cool posters, paintings, and stuff. But then he reveals what? He reveals his love to us and his heart to us and his plans to us, his his plans to use your life to make a difference in this world. For such a time as this, the Lord wants to use your life. And what begins to happen as you come to him and learn from him, as Jesus said, Matthew 11, thank you, Father, you've hidden these things from the wise and the prudent, the wise in their own eyes, but have revealed them to babes. You come to him as a tender child and say, Lord, teach me, show me. And what does he do? He begins to reveal these beautiful things. Eye is not seen, ear is not heard. But God has revealed those things. Not through the five senses, you guys. It's not learned. It's not through the five senses. It is a spiritual thing that happens. Are you with me? Some of you are going, what's he talking about? Taste and see the Lord is good. Is that with your physical palate? Mm, That page tastes really good in my Bible. Is that what it, taste and see? That's spiritually. I've tasted and seen the Lord is good. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Does that mean you got a cool poster on the back of your house you're just staring at? Oh, looking unto it's it's with spiritual eyes. It's not the physical senses. Moses endured as seeing him who is invisible. I'm seeing with my spiritual eyes, endurance. That's how I have that, is seeing him spiritually. Hear it, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. Does Jesus wake you up and yell at you, let's go? Come on, sheep. It's with spiritual ears 
and spiritual eyes. Setting our minds on things above. I'm setting my mind on him, looking unto him. Spiritually, that happens. And what begins to happen as you, as you walk in obedience, as you love the Lord, Jesus reveals himself to you. In fact, he said he would, John 14, 21, if you're taking notes. He'll manifest himself to you. Because look what happens. The Spirit does what? What does the Holy Spirit do? The Spirit searches or investigates or examines all things. Yes, the deep things, the profound, the weighty things of God. And then he uses an illustration from human life. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now, check this out. We have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. Why? That we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Look what Paul's doing here. Don't miss this this morning. If you've tuned out, tune back in. What man knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man? Only you know what's going on deep down within you, correct? Are there things that you know that no one else knows? Yes or no? There are things deep down within you no one else knows, unless you reveal those to someone, unless you share those with someone. Similarly, God has deep things in his heart. No one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. And, and so he wants us to know him. So what does he do? He wants us to know these deep things. He wants us to know these great things. So what does he do? Next verse, look what it says. This is so important. When we put our trust in God's Son, Jesus Christ, we were given not a worldly spirit, but the Holy Spirit. Anybody grateful for the Holy Spirit? The Comforter, our Teacher? Why? Why does He give us His Spirit? Look what it says. That we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. That we might know. That word know, check this out. It's so beautiful. That we might see clearly, that we might behold, that we might understand, that we might have the knowledge of, that we might cherish those things that have freely, freely means undeservedly, did you earn these things? Did you work for these things? Were you really special that God gave you these things? Were you really special, really wonderful? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a really awesome dude like me. Yeah. A wretch. The word is grace. We freely, he's undeservedly given us, given us the Holy Spirit that we might know the things that have been given to us by his grace, his love, his heart, his plans. The Holy Spirit lets us know how blessed we are, how good God is. All freely given. You know what that tells me? There's no pressure on us except to spend time with the Lord. I don't know about you. This compels me to worship him. It compels me to say, Lord, thank you. 
Thank you for all you've done, who you are, all that you've given me freely. I didn't deserve any of this. Your forgiveness, your grace, your mercy, a fresh start, a second chance. You've given me life. You've given me a family. You've given me a church family that's awesome. You're doing great things in the hearts and lives of my friends. It causes me, it compels me to worship him, to thank him, to follow him. And not just that, it compels me to share with others. What do you mean? Look at the next verse. Paul's like, I can't hold this in. Now these things we also keep to ourselves. We put a lid on. Is that what it says? These things we also what? Don't you talk about the things you love? Correct? You guys talk about the things you love? Right? You love yourself. You talk all about you. What's going on with you? Just kidding. Uh, not really. We do love ourselves a lot, don't we? No amens. If I took a team picture of you guys right now, who would you be looking for in that picture? <laughs> oh, there's Pastor Mike. Woo, yeah. No, you look at the picture and go, oh, I look so terrible. Get rid of it. How, how could you go viral and post that thing? Right? Because we why? We love ourselves. That's our problem. Where in the world are we? We speak these things. We speak about the things we love, don't we? Don't, don't we speak about the things we love? Love the Lord Jesus. Man, you're going to speak about it. Paul's like, how can I contain this? We also, but, but there's a method. How? Look what it says. This is so important as we close today. Because we have, oh, we've got a few more minutes. We, com- we communicate these glorious truths, these things, the things that God has prepared for those that love him, the things he's revealed to us, the things of his spirit, the things that have been freely given to us, the things of his heart, who he is, what he's done. These things we also speak, number one, not in words which man's wisdom teaches. Again, not with worldly wisdom. But How? but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Paul reminds them the Holy Spirit is our teacher. And so what is Paul saying here? He's saying when we communicate these things, when we communicate the Word of God, there's a beautiful dynamic that happens. God's Spirit is working through the Word of God. Correct? Are you with me? Here's one way I know. Because sometimes some of you will come up to me after service and say, did my wife call you? (coughs) Who told you? But tell me what, man? Oh, you aim, you aim that, ser- that sermon right in me, buckaroo. Dude, I had no clue you'd be here, nor did I know we'd be in 2 Corinthians chapter, or 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Come on, are you tap, did you get my mail? You get my emails? That's the Holy Spirit, because he loves you. Because he cares about every detail of your life. And then there's sometimes people who come up to me. I'll be in the pulpit teaching. And I wish there was an ejection button. Because it, it's like you're just bogging through the mud trying to get through this Bible study. It's like I wish I could just... Like a, remember the Star Trek things that get... Just get me out of here. Beam me up, Scotty. Beam me up, Jesus. Get me out of here. But then someone will come up after service and go... Dude, you know that point you made about this and about that? I'm like, no, I don't even remember that. <laughs> That's the Holy Spirit. 
Because it's the word of God that has the power to change the life. It's the seed of the word of God, the incorruptible seed. It doesn't matter how many seed-sowing diplomas I have on my wall. The power is in the seed of God's word. That is the DNA to change your life. And for it, for it to change our lives, we must, we must receive it as babes and then walk in it. Because listen, I, every Sunday, every Wednesday, I grab from the seed bag here, which is the word of God, and I'm casting seed, right? Or <laughs> the seed of God's word is going out, and it's landing on one of four conditions of your heart. It's your heart. You want fruit. I want fruit. It depends upon our, the condition of our hearts. For hearts hard, what happens? Satan comes and takes the word of God right out of your heart. And I know that happens because it happens to me. I hear something. I hear, you know what? You must uh, not have bitterness in your heart. And you know what happens? All of a sudden, I'll be driving down the road and someone cuts me off and it's not, hallelujah, praise the Lord, way to go. Slick move there, buddy. (laughs) Pastor just talked about forgiveness and not holding on to bitterness. And what happens? Snatched right out of our hearts. Or a shallow heart. You, you come in here on a Sunday and you hear the word, yes, what a Bible study. What, that was awesome. Praise the Lord. I'm going to walk in this tomorrow. And what happens? You go to work and you get persecuted for the word's sake. People make fun of you. They mock you. You really believe that Jesus stuff? The word of God, come on. It's so Elizabethan. It's so archaic. Come on. What's the matter with you? And what happens? You start to get some pressure. And what happens? The heat gets turned up and there's no root. You didn't, you didn't establish a root. And what happens? You fall away. But then the word of God falls on some of our hearts. And some of us are living for wealth. Some of us are living for the things of this world. Things that are temporary. And what happens? The word of God hits. And your life was once fruitful for Jesus. But now the word of God gets choked out because of the cares, your concerns, the riches of this life. There's no fruit happening in your life whatsoever. You're actually walking in the wisdom of this world. And you're wondering, why is there no fruit? Why is my marriage like this? Why, am I, why, why, why is there no connection with my kids? Man, we got everything. We got nothing in this area. And what's happening is the word of God's getting choked out. But then there's those Jesus talked about. You receive the word, the implanted word with meekness. And you say, okay, I'm going to hold this. I'm going to keep this. I'm going to cherish the word, and I'm going to walk in this. And I'm going to trust in the power of the Spirit to help me to do it. Because God always couples his enablement with his commandment. He will help you to do it. If you say, Lord, I'll do it. I'll surrender. I'll say no to my stinking self. Die to myself, and I'll do it your way, Lord. And what begins to happen? You get to experience his power in your life. Because you've taken up your cross just like Jesus took up the cross. And that's where the power is. That's where the strength is. That's where the fruitfulness is. Are you with me this morning? Still. Time's up. But we got half a verse. How do you compare spiritual things with spiritual things? Can I tell you this morning? Paul does it. Jesus did it. Paul communicates a spiritual truth. And you know what he often does? It is written. Boom, boom, boom. He communicates some spiritual truth. Boom, boom, boom. It is written. He takes from the Old Testament 
to back up the points that he's making in his letters, the things he's writing. Jesus did the same thing, you guys. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. By the way, that word comparing means explaining. Explaining things. Explaining spiritual things with spiritual things. Jesus used illustrations, parables, things that would help God's people, help the people connect with God. Beautiful. That's what Paul does, correct? And sometimes I try to do it, but my illustrations are kind of lame. But you know what? That's okay. Because you don't need to be profound for the word of God to speak profoundly into people's hearts. Amen. In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for this time together. God, I pray that my precious brothers and sisters would take away the things that have come from your heart. That we would grow in grace and the knowledge of you. Help us, Lord. We need you. We need that work of your spirit. God, forgive us. So many things can choke out your word and cause there to be no growth. And we know that you want to bear fruit in our lives. You said apart from you we could do nothing, Lord. But if we abide in you, we will bear much fruit. And you've made it so simple just to come to you. Coming back to you. Coming back to the cross. And I pray for my precious brothers and sisters, those that are going through struggles, that they would look to the cross. They would look to you. Those that are lonely, they would look to you. Those that have been embarrassed or humiliated, they would look to you. Those that have been done wrong, they would look to you, Jesus. Those that are struggling in different areas, or we know also that you came to set us free, God, that you would bring freedom. You said if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed, that they would look to you this morning. They would look to you for healing and for direction, for guidance. You tell us not to lean upon our own understanding, to trust in you with all of our hearts, in all our ways, acknowledge you that you will direct our steps. I pray for my brothers and sisters that are in need of direction, that they would do that. They would look to you, look to the cross. And be reminded of who you are. Thank you so much, Jesus. You're so good. Thank you for making these things real. Revealing these amazing things to us. Your beloved. And as we're still in an attitude of prayer, as our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, maybe you've been listening this morning. And you know Jesus right now is reaching out to you, the one who gave his life, demonstrated his love for you by dying on the cross. He suffered, died, and was buried, and rose again on the third day. And he's offering forgiveness to you right now, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been. That's our greatest need, the forgiveness of sins. That's what separates us from God. Jesus said if we don't believe in who he is, we will die in our sins. And the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And that's you this morning. Jesus died on the cross. He suffered, died, was buried, and rose again on the third day. And he's reaching out to you this morning. Will you respond to him? Can I pray with you this morning?
Can I lead you in a prayer this morning as you open your heart to Jesus? If that's you, would you raise up your hand right now? I'm going to pray with you if that's you. You raise up your hand real high. We're going to pray together as you open your heart to Jesus. Do you know him personally? Are you walking with him? If not, raise up that hand. Let me pray with you. Anyone at all here this morning? Anyone at all? Father, thank you so much for this amazing family. Behold what manner of love that we might be called the children of God, and that is what we are. We're so thankful. You're a good father. You're a good dad. Would you lead us this week? Help us to grow, to to thrive, to abound under your care. May your good hand continue to be upon us as you lead us and guide us in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. It is in your name, Lord Jesus, your precious and holy name that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.